So I was kind of fact-checking my own life. I don't think I've ever uh, met anyone too famous. I mean, I, mean, I suppose close uh, in um, their presence, but I don't think I've ever really met anyone too famous. Probably the closest I've come is uh, to fame is ha eating dinner with Father Mike Schmidt. It was, I mean, it wasn't just me, it was a group of us and him. Uh, some of you might know Father Mike Schmitz from uh, the Bible in a Year or the Catechism in a Year um, podcast. Um, kind of a side note, uh, if you have any time, please, please listen to his Catechism in the Year on the Ten Commandments. They are absolutely amazing. Uh, complete gold. Um, I seriously thought about just playing them for my homily for the next six weeks. Anyways, Father Mike was not quite who I expected him to be. Since I think he's the modern day Archbishop Fulton Sheen, I figured he would be an extrovert. For those of you who are too young, Archbishop Fulton Sheen in the 1950s and 1960s had, a TV, had TV shows in prime time on NBC talking about the Catholic faith. And that seems so ludicrous now, but he, that's how good a speaker he was. Um, if you want to waste time, but not waste time, uh, go on YouTube and look up Archbishop Fulton Sheen. I promise any video you watch will make you a better person. Anyways, Father Mike was not who I expected. For all his speaking abilities and for doing college ministry, he is actually an introvert. He really does need his own downtime. He's also super fit. He does CrossFit, which I guess is some super intense uh, workout regimen, which means I'll never do it. Sometimes who we think someone is, isn't who they are. Sometimes this is our fault, sometimes this is their fault. But I suppose in this day of media, it can be a third party's fault for giving us misinformation about who someone is. Today we celebrate the solemnity of Jesus Christ, King of the universe. <clears throat> when I look at today's readings, I believe they want us to ask, who is God to you? What image of God resonates with you? Maybe for some, maybe even God is a tyrant, just waiting for you to do something wrong so that he can punish you. But maybe for those of you who are older and attended Catholic school back in the day, I mean, when I was in Catholic elementary school in the 1980s, we only had one sister left, uh, and that was the principal, Sister Marilyn. But I've heard lots of stories of sisters, nuns, yielding rulers and uh, such to keep a bunch of rowdy kids in check. So maybe that's your image of God, like a, as a religious sister with a ruler ready to punish you. In the first reading, the response to the psalm, God is imaged as a shepherd. This image is used time and time again in the Bible, even by Jesus himself. In the first reading, he says he will look after and tend his sheep, which is us. God will tend to us even when we have scattered. He will rescue us even when we have scattered to cloudy and dark places. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I have felt so lost that I thought I was beyond the love and grace of God. God seeks our sheep out so that he can bring us to pasture and rest. God wants to give us nourishment and rest. 
Again, God through the prophet Ezekiel says that he will seek out the lost, bring back the strayed, bind up the injured, and heal the sick. And the response to the song, God says he will give us repose. He will give us all the nourishment we need. The Lord is our shepherd. There is nothing we need to want. God wants to give us peace and rest. In the gospel, we see another image of God, another image of Jesus, and that is of a king. A king seated on his throne and judging the nations, all peoples. It says that he will separate the sheep from the goats, with the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. He then tells the ones on his right to come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He tells them that they, he was hungry and they gave him food. He was thirsty and they gave him something to drink. He was a stranger and they welcomed him. He was naked and they clothed him. He was sick and they cared for him. He was in prison and they visited him. The ones on the right <clears throat> then ask, when did they do this? Jesus replies, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers, you did for me. Then the king turns to those on his left, to the goats, and says, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So this would be the fallen angels, the, uh, the demons. Then the king says the opposite to this group. He tells, them, he tells those on his left that they did not do anything for him. And then they ask, when did the, we not do these things for you? And he answers, when you did not do what, what you did not do for one of the least ones, you did not do for me. And then the ghosts, the ones on his left, go off to eternal punishment. As some of you know, um, your Catholic faith, the things mentioned closely align with what are called the corporal works of mercy. Just as a refresher, the seven corporal works of mercy are feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, shelter the homeless, clothe the naked, visit the sick and imprisoned, bury the dead, and give alms to the poor. There are also seven spiritual works of mercy, but we'll talk about those another time. Now, I'm a naturalized citizen of the United States of America. I honestly believe that in a fallen world where sinful people are called to lead other sinful people, democracy is the best form of government. However, the medieval philosophers proposed uh, that maybe the best type of government is actually a benevolent king. So in an ideal world, maybe the best type of government would be a benevolent king. And this means that the king would perfectly uh, do what is good for the people. That he would think of himself last and would implement and do things that were good for his people. The king wouldn't have to go through congress or parliament or have things get stuck. He could just immediately implement what he knew was best for his people. Again, he could just do what he thought was right. Do we believe that God is a benevolent king? Do we believe that God always, is always doing what is best for us? Do we trust God to do what is best for us? We should, and we should make him king of our lives. As St. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians, 
Christ has been raised from the dead. Death came through a man, through Adam. So also the resurrection of the dead comes through a man, God taking on human nature. And Adam all died, and Christ all are brought to life. This is what our King has done for us. He has died on the cross and rose again so that we might have eternal life. We need to trust and believe that He wills our good at all times, even when things seem to be going badly. The saints all say that the most growth and holiness happens during trials. We need to make Jesus our King and Savior. We need to see Christ in one another. We need to be one of the sheep that gives food, gives water, clothe the naked, because as Mother Teresa knew, that was Christ asking us for help. If we want to live for eternity in heaven, we need to do both. We need to love God and we need to love our neighbor. Because we need to love God, it is important to see God correctly, that we see God as a loving Father, a benevolent King, a good shepherd, and not as a tyrant. So this week, ask and pray that you may see God correctly, that you can be loved by Him, love Him back, and be able to better love those around you.